The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. And John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your Spirit by the power of your Word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Well, righteousness is a hard word. It's a difficult word because I could ask 10 of you to give me a definition of righteousness, and I would probably get 10 different answers. So I ask you, this is audience participation time right now, what is righteousness? What is it? It's used a lot in the Bible, so it'd be good to have a definition. What is righteousness? Anybody? Bueller? No? Confirmation students? No? No? How about rightness? Holiness? Uh, godliness? Doing the right thing? Fairness? Equitableness? How about justice? That's an even harder word because usually when we talk about justice, what we think about is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. We usually think of retributive justice. We usually think of, if I want justice, I want what I want right now for what was taken from me. Which can be hard, especially within the Christian faith. It can be hard, too, because what we see in our our world today is we actually see multiple parties trying to pursue righteousness. You can see it through that lens when you look at the U.S. and Iran over the last couple of weeks. Each country trying to pursue what they see as right. What they see as righteousness. And it's not leading to many good outcomes in some respects, in most respects. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, he says of uh, many that we hold to a form of righteousness or godliness, but we deny the power thereof. This notion that righteousness has power with it. And yet we usually pursue it as something that we use as power for ourselves over something else. He also writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, where he actually tells Timothy, pursue righteousness. That, that very word to pursue it gives a connotation that for Timothy, just like for us, it's something we don't have. Jesus even makes that very clear in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. What does he say? The people that are blessed are the ones that hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you hunger and you thirst for something, do you have it? 
Are you filled with it? No. It's something that is somewhere else, something outside of us, realizing that we don't actually have that thing. And it's this big difference that Luther talks about it, this difference between the theology of glory and the theology of the, clo- the, the cross. The, the theology of glory, if you, if you want to give a very cut and dry example of it, is the fact that there are roughly about 30 wars taking place in our world right now. Desiring what is best for us. Whatever country we are. And the theology of the cross over and against the theology of glory, which always the theology of glory always wants what's best for me, wants to be able to do what I can do for me. It's the sense of the works righteousness even. The theology of the cross, in essence, is actually winning by injustice. Have you thought of that? The trial of Jesus Christ was not a righteous trial. He did not suffer a just death. And that is what we call winning there in that. Well, you can see why, for instance, John is a little uh, upset or bothered when Jesus comes to him to be baptized. I'll ask you another question. What is baptism for? Who is it for? Who is baptism for? What? What? Confirmation student? What? Sinners. Sinners. Hmm. Because John comes, and it says in Luke that he came with the baptism of repentance and the forgiveness of sins. If we were to go back in Matthew 3, it says that people were coming to him to be baptized by him in the Jordan River for the confessing their sins. And now you have Jesus, Son of God, holiest of all holy people, coming to John saying, baptize me. And John's going, whoa, 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 whoa. I just got done telling everybody that you're going to be coming and you're going to be baptizing the world with the Holy Spirit and with fire and you're wanting to be baptized just like any other ordinary sinner. Baptized by a sinner. And John says, no, I need to be baptized by you. It says, though Jesus comes even into that baptism that John is doing and he robs us of any of the favoritism that Peter was talking about in Acts 10 that Bernie read this morning of, of any sort of notion of, well, these are sinners and these are saints. Jesus stepping into that water suddenly destroys all of that. Suddenly saying that I am holy and yet I am stepping into sin for you. Saying that there's more happening there than meets the eye. Well, we've dealt with a little bit with righteousness and we'll come back to it. We'll leave it up here for a second. I have three more words that I want to deal with for you this morning and they're all in verse 15 of our reading where Jesus says to John, allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. The first word is afiemi. It's one word. It's the word that we translate, allow it, permit it, let it be, or or those Frozen fans, let it go, let it go. That's what the word means. But it also means something else. It's the word that gets translated in the New Testament basically all the time to forgive. It's the word that we use, that we translate out of Matthew 6, where we get the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. 
As though Jesus is coming to John and saying, forgive me for interrupting your religiosity here, John. Forgive me for completely shattering the entire thing that you're going to be doing. Forgive me for in some ways sinning and by stepping into the water of sinners as the Savior to do my work. Identifying with those seeking forgiveness. Attaching the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ that washes away every sin to that that baptism, to that work there, so that now in every baptism, in your baptism, Jesus is there, present for you, doing that work. The second word is the word that my translation says, this is the way. Uh, In other translations, it says it is fitting or it is proper, it is right. It's one word, but it, it, it... Looks at those things saying, it fits. It's the right thing to do, John. Jesus coming to John saying, forgive me, but this is the right thing to do for me as Savior to step into sin. For me to step into what it is that we try to do quite often to find our own righteousness of, oh, I'm baptized, woohoo, I'm super, I'm special, where Jesus is saying, no, you're buried with me. The last one. Is the one where we get that word to fulfill or to complete or to bring to a desired end. And if you notice, he doesn't say some righteousness, right? He says, forgive me, but it's the right thing to do, John, for us to fulfill all righteousness. Any opportunity for righteousness, any little ounce of righteousness that we think we might have from the beginning of creation to the end of time is captured right there to fulfill, to complete, all of it. What it says for us is that any attempt for us to try and to have our own righteousness, the righteousness of ourselves, to, to, to project that righteousness on others, all of it ends in Jesus. All of it ends on the shores of the Jordan River. Every attempt at righteousness ending with those steps he makes into the water and with the last breath he has on Calvary. Because it's usually our pursuit of our own righteousness that gets us into trouble. Where we say, well, I'm right. I'm perfect. Where in fact, if we understood that our righteousness actually dwells within something as ordinary as water, applied to us one morning by a pastor, a priest, given to us as a gift. It might change some things. In fact, one of the things that John was bothered by was the fact that that Jesus was showing up to be able to say that even in the administration of God's gifts, holiness does not matter. The church actually had an issue with that at the beginning of the church back in the 3rd and 4th century. A bunch of pastors and priests turned away from the faith during persecution. Then after persecution subsides, they'd come back and want to fulfill their calling and Many churches said, no, no, you can't do that. And then the church fathers got together and said, no, it has nothing to do with the holiness of a priest or the holiness of a pastor. It has everything to do with the gifts of God that are given to you in that work. One of the struggles that we have in our attempts at righteousness or justice is that we are often disappointed because we think we can fulfill what it is that we need and we can't. Um, 
someone who's very dear to me, to my family, someone I've known since the day she was born, five years ago found out she was pregnant. And we rejoiced. We were so happy. First child. They did everything right. Nine months goes by. They give birth. So happy. So wonderful. An hour later, the midwife comes and says, your baby's dead. They did everything right and come to find out one person did wrong. One medical professional committed malpractice and that child died. And so now for the last five years, she has had to relive the worst day in her life in trying to pursue justice in the courts for that. And she just wrote something on Facebook this last week recounting the fact that she had to sit in court and sit on the stand and recount that story all over again as though it was another wound, a prodding in her. Just horrible. And I wrote to her, told her what I was going to be preaching on this week and asked if I could share her story because in part, she has this desire for justice, for righteousness. Her child's gone. She wants him back. But no amount of a decision in a court can bring her what she wants. And I was able to tell her, the good news is, is that we have someone who does raise the dead and promises to, promises to give us life, give us the righteousness that we need, that we can't find or obtain anywhere else. So today, when you look at the world around you, through this lens of pursuing righteousness or justice or whatever you want to call it, you're going to find a lot of people, maybe even yourself, grasping for it, wanting it, expecting it. And often we're left disappointed because we're finding it in a place that it just doesn't exist. But then we have one who comes to us and speaks to us. For instance, Connor and Josiah, Romans 6. Are you unaware, brothers and sisters, that all who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, you were buried with him in baptism and raised with him to newness of life. Romans 6. 2 Corinthians 5 is even better. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for you, that you might have the righteousness of God in him. That is your gift this morning. Thanks be to God. Amen.